Hello and welcome back to the Lift Your Life podcast. You are in for another episode with just me today, just a solo episode. And I'm going to be totally honest with you about this episode. I just needed an episode to fill slot 199 because I wanted episode 200 to, to fall on a special podcast. And I thought, what a great opportunity to have that as my reflections for the year podcast. So... That will come out next week, or it'll already be out when you're listening to this, depending when you get to listen to it. Because um, I want to do like my yearly reflection as like a special 200. I don't know, I'm a bit weird anyway. Anyway, so I was thinking, what do I do this episode about? And I just thought, well, let's answer one of the biggest questions that you're getting at this moment in time, Luce. So for all about that time efficiency, when you get asked the question, you can just go, go listen to the podcast. <laughs> And the biggest question I'm getting at the moment is I'm getting a lot of questions and and rightly so, because I'm putting it out there on social media and people are interested, which is amazing, about HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea, the reason that I don't have periods. So what I actually wanted to do in this episode was make it less about me and actually just provide you guys with a lot of education because it's something that's not really known about. I think when people think of menstrual cycle dysfunction and conditions, the things that come to mind are PCOS, endometriosis, but HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea, not many people have heard of it. And when I've said it to people, they're like, what's that? Whereas PCOS, endometriosis, which do absolutely deserve you know, recognition as well. And they're the things I will talk about in another podcast and provide education on for sure. But people seem to know more about it. So in today's episode, I really want to explain to you what HA is, why it can happen, signs to look out for, and ultimately what, what do you do about it. So hypothalamic amenorrhea, basically to break it down, amenorrhea is the loss of a menstrual cycle, so you don't have a period. And hypothalamic is too to do with your hypothalamus, which is your control center in the brain. So your hypothalamus is, like I said, it's like a control center. And one thing that it does is hormonal regulation. And the hypothalamus is is quite clever. So when the hypothalamus detects something's going on, it will send a signal somewhere to to cause or stop something else to happen. I imagine it like, um, in in my psychology degree, we imagined it as like a little little controller, the fat controller from Thomas the Tank Engine, um, just basically controlling your life, really. And... The hypothalamus detects stress. And when the hypothalamus detects that the body is under stress and threat, one of the things that it can do is stop your menstrual cycle from doing its thing. And that ultimately is what it is. Now, the important things to know about hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, just to sort of, you know, rule yourself out of it, it's a, it's a form of secondary amenorrhea. So what I mean by this is primary amenorrhea is if, if you've never had a period. So, you know, let's say you're a bit younger or maybe you've just never had one. Well, that's a totally different scenario. But secondary is when you have had a healthy, regular menstrual cycle and then it has gone. And the reason it's gone is nothing to do with hormonal contraceptive. And that's something to recognize as well, is that if you've gone on to a, a hormonal contraceptive where you don't have periods um, because the hormonal contraceptive is stopping it, then that doesn't count. It's got to be free of contraception. And on that note as well, just for anyone who is on contraception and has quote unquote bleeds, they are not regular periods. It's a withdrawal bleed. They're two separate things, but that is a podcast for another day and another time. So that's hypothalamic amenorrhea. So how is it diagnosed? So unfortunately, I think one of the reasons why it's so 
misunderstood and not really talked about is it's this it's diagnosed by a criteria of exclusion rather than inclusion so a lot of conditions you'll have to meet certain criteria but right if you have this this and this then you have this whereas with ha it's like well if you don't have this don't have this don't have this well then it's more than likely this and it's more than likely this based off these factors which i'll, I'll dive into in a second but I know from the criteria, you've had to have not had a regular cycle for at least three consecutive ones to even be considered for it. Myself, I've not had natural regular cycles for a long period of time. If you want to go and watch the full story of about that, that's on my YouTube, which I'll link in the um, the show notes if you do want to go and watch that episode, because I don't want to repeat myself, uh, especially for those of you who are my, my super fans. And you've listened to this um, on, on YouTube and probably some other backstories as well. So, yes, diagnostics of exclusion. So they're excluding things like other potential conditions because obviously there's many things that can stop you from having periods, PCOS being one of them, and that is one of the things that I did get tested for was polycystic ovaries, and then they just check other things. But if you don't meet the criteria for anything else, there's nothing else being detected, and you experience any of the three following, then it's likely that you have HA. So there's three factors which contribute to someone having HA. You can have one, you can have two, you can have all three. One is under-eating and restricted eating. And that is restricted eating from not just energy. It's predominantly energy, but it can also be from food types as well. So when the body feels like it doesn't have enough energy to to do the things that it needs to do, so to you know, allow you your heart to beat and your lungs to breathe when it feels under threat because it's, you know, it's restricted from calorie intake. It's like, I don't have enough energy to be doing these other things. Therefore, I need to preserve energy from somewhere. So, so how do I do this? And one of the ways it does that is by stopping your periods. And there is research as well suggesting that, you know, restricted eating in terms of food types is a big one as well. So if you are having quite a rigid robotic diet, that can contribute as well. The next is over-exercising. So if you are doing more exercise, again, it's all about this energy availability. If the body's like, I don't have enough energy because you're doing all this intense exercise and it's really stressful for my body, that can cause it as well. And then the final thing is just general stress. So being, you know, quite a perfectionist personality, always feeling on the go, you know, on edge, anxious, those sorts of things. Now, the really interesting thing is that there's no... You know, you're probably thinking, well, how many calories do you have to be, you know, be eating or what kind of deficit, what kind of exercise? And the thing about HA and the frustrating thing about HA that I will say and anyone who's gone through it will, will say is it's so individual that I know people who eat less than me, who do a lot more exercise than me. And I would say are much higher stress individuals than me and they have healthy regular menstrual cycles. I have people, you know, I know people who are in smaller bodies. I know people who, you know, it's, it doesn't unfortunately just work by a set criteria of X amount of calories or X amount of stress or X amount of deficit. And that is the quite frustrating thing. And I think it's the thing that I've always found very hard to get my head around because I, in the past, when I first lost my periods, you know, I would say that I was chronically restricted in ter- restricting in terms of my caloric intake. And I was chronically over-exercising. And, you know, when I was doing my photo shoot prep, that was the exact same scenario and situation. I was chronically restricted with calories and chronically over-exercising. But more recently, I-, I wouldn't say that that's the case. And, you know, in previous you know years, that wasn't the case. My calories have not been, you know, low, low. 
they've you know I, i've not been eating literally just chicken and rice i've had a certain amount of nutrient diversity i've stressed but I, I could be worse um i would say that was probably one of the biggest contributing factors and i'll dive i can dive into that in a bit more in a bit and then exercise was like, i'm only going to the gym like a few times a week you know i'm not exercising every day and i'm not doing hit and i'm not doing crossfit but it's everyone's individual body will respond differently and what is too much for one person you know might be okay for and it will be okay for another and that's the really really hard thing to understand when you do have HA. Now, when I first sort of found out about HA and, you know, I don't have a period, I was like, I don't really care. I don't really want kids. You know, it don't really matter. I can cross this bridge if I do ever meet someone and and get to that, that position. But the thing about not having periods and the thing that I'm definitely wanting to raise more awareness about is it goes beyond just fertility. Now, fertility is a big thing, especially for younger females who typically do suffer with HA because... You know, a lot of people do want families and it's part of, you know, the life that they want to live in the future. But our estrogen is so important for our health and, you know, having low levels of estrogen, which tends to happen when you don't have a menstrual cycle, which is one of our dominant sex hormones, lends itself to so many problems that for myself, and I know I keep saying I didn't want to make this about myself, but it's very easy to relate and give you examples. I didn't even realize what happening until it was made to light that this isn't normal. So we need estrogen, for example, for our bone mineral density. Estrogen is so important in keeping our bones healthy and strong. And if you don't have estrogen, you can run into issues of, you know, osteoporosis, osteopenia, which is why older women typically who have gone through menopause, especially if they don't use any HRT. And to be fair, actually, I don't think the research behind HRT is supportive of bone density, but again, it's another podcast for another day tend to run into issues like fractures. So this is why when we're younger, it's so important that we do what we can to build up our bone density with, you know, healthy menstrual cycles. And of course, as well, resistance training, which is a really big reason why I do push resistance training on people. Like I'm not a pusher, I'm not going to push people, but I do think it's something that's really important to sustain our health. If you have HA, you, you can't do that. So you're actually losing bone mineral density. And I've been losing it over the years of my life where I should have been building it. And you can lose bone mineral density from... Anytime over six months after having, um, you know, not having a menstrual cycle and the research actually shows that in that time, your bone mineral density can be reflective of that of a menopausal woman. I had a DEXA scan last year and last year it was, you know, I, I was osteopenic, so very weak bones and I'd like to think what they are right now. But when you get to 30, that's it. You, you can't, there's nothing you can do once you get to 30. Like you can't build any more, you know, strength in your bones after that. So you literally have up to 30 to do that. So for me, it's like, I'm on a bit of a, you know, ticking clock here. I've got, you know, a few years left in my life to, to really sort of fix this and turn this around. Other problems that can come from low estrogen, you know, um, heart health. We need estrogen for our hearts, which is why you will often find people with, like, uh, I have got really high cholesterol, even though I eat pretty healthy. Um, you can run into issues of mood. We need estrogen for our mood. So that's, I would say that's partly linked to the reasons that I've struggled with, um, you know, low mood, anxious thoughts, panic, those those sorts of feelings, which I just thought, well, it's just me. You know, I've, I've struggled with, you know, a few problems in my life. You know, this is just another one, but I would say they are heavily linked. Sex drive, not going to have a sex drive if you don't have sex hormones. And that's why probably why I've been single for so long, because I've just genuinely not felt interested in, in that or meeting anyone. And again, I thought I was a bit weird, but it makes complete sense as well. If I'm not the hormones there to do it, then why the hell am I going to do it? And it's just 
understanding all of these things, you know, other things as well, like brittle hair, brittle nails. Our hormones are so important and life without them isn't great. And another thing as well is muscle building. I totally forgot on that one, that you need estrogen for muscle building. So all these years that I've been training, I should be freaking hens right now. And the reason that I'm not is plain and simple because I've not had the estrogen there to do it. So not having a period for is, is a problem. Regardless to whether you want kids or not, it is an absolute problem that needs to be fixed and solved. So how do you fix and solve HA? How do you do it? And sadly, there is no magic supplement. There is no magic pill. And you know, if you go to the doctors about this, they probably will suggest the magic pill, i.e. the contraceptive pill, because it's like, right, well, if you're not having periods, we'll, we'll protect your health by putting in these fake hormones and and then you'll be re. And it's just it's just putting a plaster on an issue. I like to use an analogy. It's putting like a plaster on something that needs stitches. Like at some point, you, you're going to need stitches. So you might as well tackle it there and then, you know. And that's what's happened with me in the past is they've just gone, right, we'll just go on pill. And I'm like, well, yeah, that might stop anything deteriorating, but it's not fixing the problem. And to fix the problem, you kind of just literally have to undo and work on all the things which can cause HA, which includes eating more, moving less, and bringing down your stress. And a lot of the time, people who have HA find this really hard because they're really passionate about health and fitness. They maybe are a perfectionist personality, and maybe they do have you know, anxieties about weight gain, whether that's through disordered eating, whether that's being in, you know, an echo chamber like fitness industry where there is pressure to look a certain way. So like it's going against the narrative of, you know, well, the right thing to be doing is to, you know, eat less and move more, which is, you know, always what we're hearing, eat less, move more, eat less, move more, and that you'll be a healthy human, which don't get me wrong, for a lot of people is absolutely the case. And it's, it's I don't just say that to clients because I'm not a dick, but, you know, that eat less, move more narrative is something that I do promote to help clients drop body fat. But you're being told the opposite now. It's like, right, you need to eat more and move less. And it's like, what? Okay. And, you know, I have found that really hard. And I know other people find that really hard. Now, in terms of what eating more looks like, um, there is suggestions from certain research that eating 2,500 calories as a minimum a day is what is required to gain your menstrual cycle back. Um, I'm not 100% sure how much I agree with that, but what is needed is to be in a surplus to prove to your body that you have excess energy available. That is what you need to be doing. And obviously that's going to be very different depending on how active you are, how tall you are. And when I say active, I mean more like generally because you are trying to bring your, you know, formal exercise down. But if you're in a job where you walk in like, you know, I've had clients that do jobs where they walk like 20, 30,000 steps a day. Well, you're not going to quit your job. You can't do that. So you, you, they would probably need more in that situation for sure. And in terms of food types, it's just a variety of nutrients, like ensuring that you aren't, you know, any food rules you're breaking having, you know, not just the low fat diet versions of things, making sure you have plenty of good fats, good carbohydrates, and even having things that people would perceive as quote unquote bad food is like, I'm working my way through lists of foods that I've not really allowed myself in years because I'm like, no, it's, 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 I don't have the macros for it, or it doesn't fit my macros or, you know, my macros could go better places. And it's really freeing to actually work through those. So there's no like specific guidelines, but just making sure that you have an abundance of lots of nutrient dense food and abundance of different macros and really breaking the rules. The body just doesn't feel that element of restriction with exercise. It's bringing down, 
your needs and your planned exercise. So if your steps were like, I was always really trying to hit 10,000 a day, well, maybe just bring those down or just don't. For me, I was always checking my watch and being so OCD about, I need to hit the steps, I need to hit the steps. And now I'm just like, I'll, I'll just, I'll move when I can. I know naturally I tend to hit between about, anywhere between about 7.5 and 10, just with the dog and, and stuff. So I don't need to keep checking it. And then formal planned exercise, you definitely want to reduce any high intensity training. So any sort of hit, CrossFit, anything where you're like jumping around, running around. And then with resistance training, some people suggest that it's better to just stop training altogether to remove any additional stress from exercise. But for some people that can cause stress. Like for me, I know not exercising would cause me a hell of a lot of psychological stress and distress. So I still resistance train, but it's just not intense. It's not to failure. Like I used to literally see my workouts as like, people use these stupid analogies of like going to war and stuff. But honestly, it felt like that for me. Like I my, I had to get my head into every session. I was in rituals. Like it, it was it was so intense and so much pressure on me to, to perform well in every session. Whereas now I go in, I still lift but I don't go to failure I don't push myself I'm just literally stimulating the muscle and I do that three times a week rather than four or five times and no formal cardio as well so that's what I'm doing from an exercise front and that's what you should be doing from an exercise front you know reducing it as much as you can um, and reducing all forms of high intensity where you can too and some people do yoga just to really connect with their body and help with mindfulness and, and de-stressing. And it's something that I I personally will be looking into. Uh, I've not managed to get into it yet because I, I do struggle with mindfulness. My, my brain's very much like a go, 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 go human. So doing things where you have to stop and slow down just feels awful and comfortable, but that's something I'm working through. And speaking of that stress, how can you bring down your stress? Like what in your life is causing additional stress? Like stress is always going to be around us. And I think the thing to say, well, just get rid of stress is a complete, you know, it's not going to happen, is it? But how can you, how can you reduce your perception of stress? Can you remove any things that are causing you additional stress when they don't need to be in your life and really working on your emotional regulation? So making sure that you have stress management tools in place, you're doing things to calm yourself every single day, you are doing mindful-based activities every single day. So for myself, things that I've been doing is I've just been looking at my workload and just thinking, where can I delegate things? Not taking on, because I, I could easily and would love to just take on 101 million things for work. I would and I could because I just love doing it. But I was I was getting to a point earlier this year where I was doing so much in my day, I just have breathing space, literally between like, half five and seven at night I just would go 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 my brain the point is later my brain just was never stopping and I I loved it and I, I do enjoy it but I also didn't realize how stressed I felt whereas now I'm still busy and I love being busy and I always will love being busy because I love what I do I'm so passionate about helping people and my clients and, and social media. I just love it all but I also know how much value I get from just having those th those pockets of time for breathing space, that downtime on an evening, time away from social media on my phone. It's really powerful. And that's part of one of the reasons why I got jazzy. And <laughs> she's laying on the floor now. She looks really cute. That's my dog, by the way, if you, if you knew around here. Because she causes me to, to switch off and just focus on something that is beyond work. And in terms of how long it will take to get your cycle back out, I really wish it was as simple as you do those three things, give it a month and she'll be back in full force. It, it's again, one of those really annoying things where it just depends. Some people, it can be a few months, which is mint. Some people, it could be half a year. It could be, could be a year. And I think that's another hard thing is you just don't know, but it's that trusting the process. 
staying consistent with it. It's just like fat loss and eventually the result will come. And if you do have any concerns that, you know, you, you've listened to this and you think I'm resonating with some of this, what I will say is, you know, if you can connect with people like myself or other, you know, people on social media who are speaking about this, like, please, please do. So you don't feel alone and do go speak with your GP about it, but go in with the knowledge of this because a lot of GPs don't even know about this. They really don't, which is scary. But if you can self-advocate and go, hey, this is what I think is happening for me right now. Um, I want some blood tests to see where my bloods are at and I want you to help me rule out anything else. They will do that for you. And then ultimately, if you have ruled out, because I would 100% and go and get things ruled out in case there is something else going on because there can be other things that can stop menstrual cycles from happening. Then, of course, if this is the case, then you can go down the route that I'm going down to to restore it. And it's not easy. It's potentially one of the hardest things I've done, which sounds really, really dramatic, but it is because it's reframing my entire thinking process. But the rewards are going to and already are proving to be amazing for me. And I've not even got my cycle back yet. And I know it's just going to keep getting better. But in terms of this, with my personal journey, I'm going to be documenting more on my Instagram and my YouTube. So please do make sure you go check them out. I'll leave those in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions around HA, I'm so passionate to talk about this. So please fire them my way. I'm, I'm most active on Instagram. So go drop me a follow and a message there. And over and out for this week. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has been insightful. And have yourself an absolutely amazing rest of your day.